Carrying huge space. Look how fast he's going. Polar opposite to the conditions he won in Lords. Rain so close. They're getting the last step down. The crowd is roaring. He is going to do it. He's going to smash the time. Downhill racer and our expert here today, Andrew Needling. Hello world, how's it going? Welcome back, this is Moving the Little Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Nietling. This is the Crank Brothers Race Review. Now you guys have been listening to these all year. I can't believe we've got to the end of the race circuit. Now Crank Brothers is synonymous with racing. Last year, now, I used to say they celebrated 11 years in a row. Well, let's include this year because it's 12 years in a row of Elite World Champs wins with that mallet DH pedal, both in the ladies and the men. Now, we're not even including juniors, and we're not even including Sam Hill's titles, which Sven Martin, who's my guest, will add that to the roster. So they've really, really supported racing, and they had a great year this year. They've also added all sorts of products to their range, including shoes. You saw those awesome shoes at World Champs. They had uh, the white and gum sole that I saw Bernard Kerr with at Snowshoe. So it's been exciting to see those things drop. They had fancy pedals at Worlds. And I'm sure my esteemed host who shoots for them and many others on the circuit will fill me in on all sorts of things I've missed because I'm not at every race. I, I uh, have done a lot of racing myself, so it's nice to sit on the couch a bit, but I was at World Champs. And then we had Sven Martin at Voldesol. Sven, have you recovered from what was a long season, even though it sort of started early, had some breaks, but it really ramped up at the end of the season? Yeah, um, my recovery generally means my immune system just drops and when the job's done, my body crashes. So my recovery <coughs> is in progress and I'm, my body's crashing. And now I've got a week before the last three events of the season. But yeah, four days off since Fort William World Cup and I'm starting to feel it. But um, we've got a nine-month-long off-season, which is not ideal for, for anybody. But uh, we've got plenty of time to recover. No, we. I appreciate your effort, and uh, even when I'm texting you about this podcast, seeing who's going to come on, you're always first to say, I would try, but this is my gap. I'm definitely not waking up early on a Sunday before cross-country. What a race it was. Obviously, quite a lot of storylines with the overalls. Um, we didn't get to see the overall go to the final with Finn out, but uh, I think a lot of riders are ready for the season to be finished. Um especially with those brutal tracks that we ended the year with. Lots of crashes, some injuries, some sort of, I think some of the riders got very lucky with some of the crashes, which is amazing to see. Uh, what was your viewpoint on that? Um, well, the overall, when, you know, it's not just number one people are going for, that that top five overall is quite a, is quite a notch in the belt. Um, it's stronger than a regular podium at a World Cup to, to be like, you know, top five in the world that year so as a result like with with spots four and five and even to interchange second like second to third and all the rest there's quite a lot to push for i think all the way down to number eight or number nine if you were an eighth and ninth ranked you had a potential to finish top five um and as a result people are pushing hard as hard as you can on the final race of the year and there's also kind of nothing to lose at that point because you you don't have a race the following weekend or a couple of weeks after. And then more importantly, most importantly, the track that we had it on, Valdesol, and the roughest, toughest version of Valdesol we've ever seen since 2008, um, which we can touch on later in more, in more detail. But that, that was all it took to make the 
you know, for us, the race weekend exciting, and but it took its toll. Maybe the most DNFs and the most DNSs we've seen on a start list in a long time. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that for a long time. And uh, you're right, with the men's not coming down to the finals, with Finn Isles deciding not to race, so a lot of maturity there. A lot of maturity from a lot of the riders. This whole concussion thing has really come to light, which is good. Uh, maybe the course needs some help in the future. Maybe a little dangerous. But at the same time, you're right. It opened up that sort of second through fifth, which is, like you say, huge bragging rights, um, especially going into a contract year for some of those riders. Not going to name names, but some of them that got in top five, they're, in, you know, they're up for renewal or are they moving on. I mean, that is huge for them. And you're right. The last race of the season was always a funny one. Sometimes you're so burnt out, you just want to get through it. And sometimes if you're in an overall hunt, you could see the guys, Bernard Kerr, Andy Cole, those guys you could see were super motivated because a really good race there um, could just skyrocket them up the overall. So that really made for exciting sub-stories, I guess, coming down the mountain. Yeah. Yeah, no, we um driving to uh, the venue from Leger. We stopped off at this little lake, Lake Izio, halfway, and there we saw Bernard Kerr. Um, he was sat there by himself. He had dropped some people from the crew up, up at Geneva Airport. So he was traveling in a, in a big truck, um, not the big bus, but a big truck by himself. So people forget that Bernard Kerr is not like any of these other top five or top ten riders. He's... Um, He's he was sat there by himself, tethered to his laptop, trying to get a, a snack, and he was like running two or three hours, you know, for dropping people at the airport. Usually, other teams have staff to do errands like that. There he was on Monday evening, communicating with Troy Lee Designs in California, and they were doing the jersey design because Jenna had won the rainbow jersey, and she they wanted her to race in it, obviously, but they wanted her to race in to, with with the pivot team logos and stuff not just the uh, jersey that was presented and you know you can cop a 500 to 5000 euro fine if you don't have the correct jersey so he's doing that and then he's going to pick people up at Verona airport later in the week and then he's doing his vlog and so he's got a and he's involved in these rider meetings and the and the team managers meetings so he's got a lot on his plate so and speaking then, like he'd had his two podiums and had a, his best season to date. But I asked him after the weekend, I said, did you even put yourself in the top five overall picture? Like what did you even like look or consider? And, and he honestly didn't. He like he had so much going on and, and he was really happy for what he got. And he never really made the top five his goal. He just ended up top five. I think he was as surprised as anybody else. So hats off to him for um, – for finishing so strong with so much on his plate. Yeah, I mean and and yeah. and I'll add Of course you will out add. The, <laughs> out of the top guys, um the guys that slowly started finally beating beating the times after the rain, he was the one that went in the trickiest and toughest conditions that did the best. Oh, if that 100%. Makes sense to yeah, you. he went yeah. No, it does. He went the earliest. I I spotted that a mile away. I mean, there was a chance for an upset um new winner in the circle there. But yeah. Bernard Kerr, part of me thinks he's he's still in the old habits of how he ran that team when there was less budget and he was not getting the results. But then to your point of he didn't even really know that there was a chance to get in the top five till it was almost too late or just on top of him. So it almost works into his advantage that he's got so much stuff going on. And we've said it before that he's 
it's not the be on end of for him to get the result. It's almost more important that his riders get results. And yes, he's on the team, but I've heard him say he could almost step back, be a manager and not race and probably do as well. Um, so he, he does pay double duty or triple duty. Um, and it almost is ignorance is bliss. He's not even aware of the points. He doesn't think about it maybe as much as someone else that's driving or getting a team manager to drive him to the airport, then flying to Valdesol and then someone's, um, cooking them dinner, giving them a massage. So it's an interesting strategy and it wouldn't work for any other rider basically except Bernard Kerr, I think. Yeah, no. Um, but then when he saw that he was in the mix so when after time training and then straight away he looks also at the splits in time training and he saw that he was like one of the quickest in split one and then that, that fires him up. Whatever he sees, he can potentially be quick. It, it fires him up even harder because he does – like to beat people and he is very competitive so uh so he feeds off of that um yeah and then uh you touched on like finn making the right decision i think we also had and about people up for rider contract renewal we also had angel suarez also stepping back after his crash in, in world champs and he also made the right call and he was out there assisting team riders and and um friends on the track and he was doing laps on the track but just on foot and um choosing not to race as well that's a tough one though because he's probably up for, i think he's the one that's probably also up for contract and it's great that they're taking yeah. the, you know the health into their own hands and and because uh, it could affect his contract for next year and and that's just the way the cookie crumbles he had a huge horrific crash at worlds he was on pace people know he's on pace um but there's nothing else you can really do bernard kerr was one of the few though on that track speaking of him and his run who was really attacking in and out of turns. So you could see he wanted it and you could see he was strong. You know, he didn't fade much to the bottom. So props to props to him. And, I, and we've said it before, I think his years of riding, he's always been one of the most skilled guys on the bike at Surrey Hills, at the Dirt Jumps. And then he would go to Queenstown, one of the first adopters of spending an off-season in Queenstown and sort of forcing other riders to realize, shit, this isn't really a six-month sport in terms of downhill bike. Every other yeah. rider was training. But, you know, back in the day, it was the, the Europeans were on skis, getting fit, and they'd maybe dust off that downhill bike for a test session or two, and everyone would sort of go to the first race with one or two under the belt, and they would kind of get faster as the races progressed, Greg included, yeah. you know, Gracia, all those guys. And now, I mean, I heard people say, I mean, you sorted lords. There were a few guys that were really ready, and there were a few guys that weren't, um, and that sort of yeah. set up the year as well. Yeah, obviously not on the same training program as uh, our mutual good friend Brendan Fairclough there in Surrey Hills. He's uh, on a different program. No, Bernard's definitely. I mean, he's been testing a lot. <laughs> so even when he's back in England, he's up at the Atherton's Bike Park. I, I've seen more downhill-specific training from Bernard in a season than before, and it, and it pays off. You just get is no argument that you just get more and more comfortable with a big bike if you're motivated to ride it. Sometimes you're pretty burnt out. You want to go trail riding, dirt jumping, get away from it, whatever's good for your mental. But Bernard's definitely, he's put the effort in, it's paying off. So that that was cool to see him into the top five overall um, of a World I mean, Cup any, season. You can see anyone that's put the effort into their training and their bodies, um, we saw that with Gwyn. He's again. He's not the first to start training, but he definitely Gwyn and G. And then you see with Almeri and Deprela and um, Finals, like these guys that develop their bodies into real strong 
you know, athletes that can take big crashes and big hits, but then recover quick. And then, you know, it'll only more uh, motivating for Bernard to even work harder in the off season because he's seen what, what the work paid off last year or this, this year, you know. Yeah, and it's good for your mental as well. I mean, I used to really drive a lot of confidence from, okay, I've ticked every box. I've hired the trainer. I'm doing the work. You know, like it does help you have confidence when you get to a race. Now, you've done all the hard work. So a racing yeah. day, yes, there's a lot of pressure and stress, but it should be easy, you know, if you've done proper work. And I've had some chats to some other riders, and I think they realize they're doing well with whoever they're training with, and they maybe think, but, you know, how do I get re-motivated? I've been doing this for so long. Do I need a new trainer? Not because the current one's not good enough. You sometimes just need a change of scenery. You know, change is as good yeah. as a holiday. So there's going to be some of that, I think, in the off-season as well. But let's uh, – wh- where do you want to jump? I mean, we, we've we've done Bernard. We've sort of top five men. Um, I mean, Andy Kolb obviously has been talk of the the town with all, you know, four podiums in a row. Um, and just so many good – Qualies like just all he's just it would have been it would have been quite magic for him to get that to get that win this this race just he was uh, so close to it the whole season and and consistently so and then getting closer and closer to the top end um, you know with the with the with the fastest time training and and quali um, but he would be the most in demand um, right I would say the most in demand free agent. Uh, there's a good chance he stays with Atherton Racing, but for sure it's going to come with a hefty, hefty pay rise because he would have. Well, I mean, I know he has uh, multiple, multiple teams um, chatting with him, and would love to have a bit of Andy Cole on their roster. Yeah, I mean, I tease tease G in uh, in Whistler. I was, he's like, I was like, and if you you need to get your checkbook out, and he's like, I know, I'm I'm so happy for these riders doing well, and then um, next thing. Uh, he's like, oh shucks, that's going to cost me a hell of a lot more money. Um, well, the, and you know the, what? He's setup. and he's come from yeah. doing these results before having a podium, right? Or even before having many top tens. I'd have to go in the archives, right? And then you're reeling off four podiums in a row, and then you're qualifying fastest at the last World Cup, and you have a chance to win. You've put yourself in a whole nother bracket. And next year yeah. is going to be interesting, though. Um, and but what I've noticed with him, he does seem to he's happy to put himself under pressure and he's and he's been able to deliver so i think he can handle it very well but it will be a different ball game for him next year with a bigger contract and with expectations on himself well i did four podiums in a year so i don't want to go backwards right yeah yeah um and the the, the difference with with staying with the team he's with with athen racing it's it's a set up non-traditionally you know it's not it's not a, a trek factory racing where trek footing the bull it's not a you know a, a santa cruz team where santa cruz is footing the bull <clears throat> like literally the more atherton's we have to pay him to keep him you're literally taking money out of dan g and rachel's <laughs> bank account at the end of the day because it's they own the team and, yeah and you can like, simplify so that much they'll be, like, you? they'll be like yeah we we want we want the race team to have like the best profile and the best riders and the best podiums was like, but how many Atherton bikes can we make and sell anyway? There's that. And then it's like, and how much money do we want left in our bank accounts for retirement? So do we want like such a good rider or do we just want to like tick along and, you know, it's, it's an interesting uh, dynamic, but, um, and then does Rachel have course, to come back to the races to get like results to then like ask the co-sponsor for more money or get bonuses, you know, like, <laughs> 
I mean, I'm literally just spinning a a vicious rumor there, but you know, like, is that can be a thought process? Oh shit! Yeah. Okay. Well, Rachel, we need we need you back on the circuit because we get. I mean, these teams get uh, bonuses from co-sponsors. I mean, yeah, for sure. It's not a it's not a hidden secret. So um, that could help pad the bank accounts. Yeah, there's a. It's going to be a lot of thinking for the for those guys. But it's awesome to see. It's awesome to see. It's always cool to see new people in the mix. See the sport grow. You know, and, and it's yeah. another Austrian. David Trimmer had that awesome breakout result at Worlds, and then now you've got Andy Kolb just sort of cementing his name in the sport, which is good. I mean, we must also realize there was no Loic Bruni and there was no Troy Brosnan in that overall. I'm not discrediting any result because the way these guys were riding, it probably would have been the same result. But you did have yeah, I mean, well, the, the top both... three overall guy who's Troy Brosnan does not miss the top three if he's at all the races, it seems. And Loic Bruni yeah. as well if he's healthy. So it was a really yeah, good year then... for these guys to find their form. Yeah. I mean, those, those two that you mentioned have, have had injuries that have taken out the overall conversation for this season. But then... Amazingly, Finals misses two bloody races and yes, is still in the top three. And so Loris really, missed the race. So, so if number one and three, you know, those that is like that's quite unheard of, really. I, I, I feel like you know Finn could be World Cup overall champ if he did two more races. You know, yeah, but it's also um, the point, it's easy to, it's easy the point say, structure yeah. when you win one. So if you win quali yeah. and win race, you just like absolutely skyrocket up. But also yeah. equally impressive. And then Vergier also missed, had some issues, and then he missed Mount St. Anne. So, yeah, with a point structure, if you, but, can, if you can reel off a win, you are almost yeah. locked into the top five. It's crazy. But I think um, the both world champs podium um, and even like this overall that we're talking about now and, and even uh, the podium this weekend is probably the first time ever in the sport that we've seen all the top five strongest riders in the year have major injuries and some of them are missing races with these injuries. Some of them are taking massive hits and, you know, having a recovery round. But I think it's the sign of the times for the sport and the future that you can't do a season um, injury free without or escaping a big injury. You know, we've even seen the crashes, not yet the injuries creeping into like Jackson, like they've, everybody's pushing so fast, like, the speeds that they're doing, it, it, crashes are going to come, and some of those crashes can cause injuries. And and then on the on the flip side of that, it's also why it's taken Loris so long to get back to number one. He began the season as our, as our fan, as our favorite. Like we were all calling Loris for World uh, World Cup number one, but because of injuries, it's literally it's hit his confidence. And he said, like I said, I said, what did you do different? How did you get now? back to number one and he just says like confidence and he got it from worlds like and momentum and, it was like it had to take some time yeah, huh? yeah. so um and then that's the same thing with Gwyn. he's like creeping up because it's confidence so you know every top guy on in the top 10 bar a small handful have had a major injury either uh, towards the end of last season or before this season or during the season then it's uh you know, I don't know how sustainable that can be when you when you have a series of no throwaway results. You know. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't like that. I think there should be one or two throwaways, and maybe yeah, if we get ten, if we, if we get ten races, we can have like one or two throwaways. But yeah, you know, when you only easy. when you 
yeah, when you're stuck with not less than 10, then you kind of have to count them all. Yeah, just with how crazy our sport is, you know, weather can play a role, mechanicals happen. If you have enough yeah. races, then maybe no throwaways make sense. But like Formula One doesn't really have throwaways, but they got, yeah, know, but they got 20 races. It's like yeah, so that essentially you almost have a throwaway because yeah, you so many. Everyone's yeah. going to have a, have a zero-pointer or an engine failure, and then you that downhill that would happen. Everyone's going to probably crash yeah. in a race and probably have a mechanical. So you're like, yeah, I guess you're automated into two throwaways. But I, I do think yeah. there should be at least one throwaway. It would just give yeah, just like a way f- with especially like the uncontrollable flat tires or like the, something like and that. The, and, the weather, and the weather issues when like a season is potentially decided, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, Armory crashed, but he also, because of his flat and quality, he started way earlier. So he was going, you know, also on a slightly wetter track, which maybe led to the crash. There's, a, there's lots of speculation that we can talk about but for sure um it is always you know you you hope the dice rolls your way sometimes but sometimes it doesn't and um but we were we were besides definitely a good 20 30 riders being affected by the rain um at least we didn't have a completely rain affected race which has threatened the last two races and we still got to see like a great final at the end no you're right it, i looked at that and i thought no one's even getting close and then obviously bernard absolutely smashed it but he had a lot of the track was drying and then sort of ironically more most of the track which not in the broadcast was probably the wetter sections the wetter and, spot, and as Amri yeah. came into view like you heard Bernard and Amri speaking like oh you you just got snipered by by a route there um yeah. so yeah I mean Amri needs a huge mention we could forget to almost mention him here but he, he you know he wrapped up the overall technique with a race to spare with help from Finn and throwing it away in Mount Sinan um but he was he was basically the ride of the year with those four wins. I mean, if he had won that race, it would have been what him and Gwyn that have done five wins in a season or ever to do that. So yeah, you know, it's, yeah. there's not many people could even think about doing that. So I think Amri deserves all the props in the world and, and even getting second at world champs. Yeah, it, it grates him. It hurts him, but that shows what a com- competitor he is. Um, but to do yeah. four wins in a season and the way he was doing it, the, you know, his 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 dream scenario. He said he was so bummed for two reasons for not winning world champs. One, you didn't win world champs, and you don't get the rainbow jersey. The, the obvious reason. But he said he had had a dream and a vision that he was going to win world champs and then win World Cup finals in the rainbow jersey. Take the overall. I mean, that is like the dream scenario. If you double up like that and you win the last race in the final, it's like it couldn't get it like then that's almost like you could retire after that. It doesn't get any better than that. But um, Daniel is not, you know, this is Daniel and you can't have those uh, visions and dreams. Well, those visions and dreams aren't always reality, unfortunately. No, but, um, definitely not. But I'm almost, have, it's good for us fans that he doesn't do it because now he's got hunger in the off season. He's going to come out absolutely swinging next year still, even though he got the title. Yeah, and it's also good for us, like, I almost, like, congratulated him when I heard Finn, or I saw Finn didn't take the starts. He didn't just break the beam and maybe was going to take the start. Um, when I saw he didn't take the start in qualies, you know, there were a lot of people that were like telling Omri or coming trying to congratulate him. And he was like, I could, he was pulling back from that and he didn't want any, any uh, acknowledgement and he didn't want to even talk about it or acknowledge it or take a photo or sign an autograph because he wanted to finish the season, finish the last race. And he wanted to go out like, you know, trying his hardest and getting another, another win. And for him and the team, 
Um, and then there were team overalls that had to protect, make sure syndicate didn't jump them. So hats off to him for being like a true champion and, and not wanting to like just celebrate the title early. And, and he wanted to go out with a bang and he did go out with a bang, but the wrong kind of bang that he was looking for. Yeah, he did in the broadcast as well. You could see he was just almost avoiding. He's like, I'm, thank you. I'm in the moment. I've got this race to focus. You could see he wanted to absolutely yeah. destroy everyone. Um, that tracks, Finn. I've spoken to a few riders directly. I actually text Greg, like, shout out to Greg. Thank goodness he's not more mm. hurt. That was an horrific crash. Horrific. Yeah, man. And you know, he's got quite... some fractured vertebras. Um, yeah. But I was just texting him and saying, you know, I'm glad to hear you. You're stable. I mean, I don't know what else to tell him in a situation like that, but he was in good spirits. And, and Greg's not one – often Greg's happy to listen to someone complain about a track and say, oh, no, I don't. I don't think it's that bad or, you know, play a yeah. few head games, um, which is because he's so strong mentally, he'll just not listen to excuses, not complain, get on with the job. But I said that track looked horrendous and he actually said, you're actually right, it was, you know, and yeah. uh, nearly every rider can probably agree. Like, I think they've let that track go a little bit too long now. Yeah, I mean <sighs> – it's always going to be one of the toughest track on the circuit, but it's, it's, it's traditionally been one of the toughest tracks on the circuit, even when it's new or fresh or new section to the no holes. And now you know, the, the writing was, it was, we showed up on track walk and I saw there was still a sign as you exit the gondola. And it said, uh, the downhill track will close, um, September 31st or whatever, whichever that Sunday was. So like literally two days before track walk. Um, the fact, so that track was taped already. Right. Um, and it was open to the public and was like literally until two days before a world cup race taped with the world cup lines. in. so yeah, it is a bike park and, and, um, it, it's, you know, these people have to stay in business and, but there's, there's some, you know, back in the day when we raced Big Bear and there was like a Norman National, I remember there was like a track that we knew was in those woods and it was like you could see remnants of it, but that was only ever resurrected and opened when it was raced as a World Cup. It was almost like you don't, no one gets to ride this. We only work on it and reopen it when it's a World Cup. Like, yeah, so kept, it was uh, like a written and unwritten rule. Like, don't, you know, it's a World Cup track. Yeah. You're not going to know exactly where it is. And Valdesol did an incredible job for so many years. They would always they build fresh sections. They would always tape it differently. And it was a gnarly track. There were still crashes back in the day. But what they were mm. able to do was, you can see that dirt is, it's almost two foot under the level of the ground. So you're just on hard pack, more rocks come out. The, it's not forgiving, but when they freshen the track and they sort of rake new tracks, the roots come out and it's gnarly and, and it doesn't, it's not much easier, yeah. but it's, it's more forgiving if shit goes wrong and there's a little bit of loam and, and, and variety. I mean, it's almost, yeah. I'm like at the point you're flying around the world, you're putting all this effort in, you're spending crazy amounts of money as this team and you rock up, same track as last year. Well, Fort William doesn't yeah. have a choice in most areas and they still try and, and I, I like I agree with you. It's, it's a bike park. They might have to use some of those connector sections. Um, I don't know where the I mean, disconnect is there. I just wish that the riders would get sort of a fresher track because they didn't look as good as they normally do on that track. And that's no, another negative. Look, you know, it's, it's one thing when you're going on a steep 
section with roots that are just exposed. But now when you go on a steep section where the roots are now more than a foot exposed, you're like riding down staircases. Um, but to the track builders and the workers of the track, they, they did. So I'm not sure what they were and were not allowed to do in the forest. So, so before we like, Yes, Say no, I don't want to. You couldn't I'm definitely not trying because to pitch they, they, on people that put a lot yeah, yeah. of work in, and we don't know the full no, red because, tape of it. Yeah, because they yeah, exactly. Maybe it's more of a red tape thing with the forestry. There was definitely a lot of work and prep done. They did what they could on the track. So, I, what we what we do all agree on is that we should have lots of new sections when we do go back there sometime. It's it's needed, um, and also some of the sections, even though they have um, a rider adjoining um the uci track walk it, it was uh, nico malali this time who were, who were retaping and moving poles for safety there was a lot of um that section where brooke crashed last year even just on pink bike instagram today there was like a horrendous crash we saw from one of the other riders there was just you know too much direct straight line speed into the gnarliest section of the track right after where you crashed where you did that massive swan dive oh yeah those right? rocks that they put in the so, track there so then you you do that swan dive where you crashed and then then you cross that road and then they're just straight into another thing like they it's like let's just retire that section already you know yeah like um, what are you really expecting a competitive world cup racer to like touch his brakes when it's possible to get through there almost with no brakes like oh it might be a bit dangerous no he's trying yeah. to get to the bottom of the track tired as fast as he can so that's it is a challenge and but then I have also, all respect for track builders and the work that goes in and the organization. Yeah. And, and, and Valdesol was famous for making new sections. So we don't know the mm. full story. Let's just hope yeah. they all realize that track is tired now. Yeah, the track is tired. But then also, funnily enough, you know the people that weren't complaining were the people that had never raced there before. And all they've heard their whole lives and, and they're waiting to come to race the legendary Valdesol track they got there and they're like, oh, shit, so this is what Valdesol is. This is gnarly, but this is sick. We're on Valdesol. And they were, like, up for the challenge and on it. But all the boys and girls that have raced there for years and years and years, and they know what, like, that it could be an easier gnarly Valdesol, you know, they were the ones complaining. So, you know, maybe you're just complain, comparing it to other years. But, yeah, no, let's let's get some new fresh sections Um in there but it is interesting that some of the like first year juniors were like oh yeah this is great this is amazing because they didn't know any better you know so uh, so you've got to like look at both sides of the coin no absolutely so what's some other standouts or stories of the race um and there's there's um obviously um so many there's so many stories just tying into the finals with the whole cameras thing which we'll talk about when you talk about the woman but then Flo Paye's final race really fitting in and um he he medaled here, right? He got his bronze medal yep. and world champs in this track, yeah. Yep, that podcast uh, will get released two weeks after this one. I don't know if I meant so, to tell people, but uh, we got Flo Payette, the legend. Please stay around for that one. That'll I'll release that one. So yeah, he I have I've got that. You want the facts? Well, I he, mean, just just and then having having the sickest kit of the year out of everybody. How good was his then, kit that then, Scott made him, right? <laughs> And Looks then showing so him, uh, and showing bringing it out for this race, um, yeah, it's, it's almost too good to retire, and he's going to have to uh, give it another lap somewhere. Um, he, he did it right because some riders don't really announce it till afterwards, or they're not really sure, and then you just do it in the off season on Instagram. And Flo, 
owned it, had that goal of 100, and then he goes out at a track that he's been so successful, and they're spraying champagne at the end, and the industry really got behind it. Um, Brendan drove out um, oh, wow. to go and watch okay. at Val de Sol. He wasn't going to race, and then he's here where we I'm recording this in Italy at a Scott camp, and we're doing a media launch, and, and Brendan said that he'd pick me up when I flew in on the Monday because he's going to be in Val de Sol. He's fl flying out to watch Flo's last race. So he had a big effect on everyone. Yeah, yeah, no, for, for sure. And and the fact that as tough as it is now to make the top 60 and Flo has, is currently has these vision issues from previous like injuries. So it's, it's not smooth sailing, but to call it like he still had to do a whole, he had, you know, early in the season, he still had to like qualify for two or three races. And he made this big thing about, I'm going to do my hundred races this year. I'm like, Oh dude, what if it, what if you have to finish it up next year? Yeah, but yeah, exactly. He, he, and he had the eye it, issues, which he just kind of yeah. just pushed through and, Touch wood, no mechanicals. It's, no, I mean, Flo Poet has been at the top end of the field, the pointy end for a long time, which is which is incredible. But, yeah, we dig into that all. Um, and he didn't get yeah. paid for many of these whole years. Like, he is a just such a passionate guy for the sport um, yeah. and stuck to a goal and hard, hard work paid off. That was incredible to see. Yeah, the kit was awesome that Scott made him for the last race. And Patrice, the yeah. team manager, I think he might have even personally done that helmet because I always see him with the sticker kits. Speaking of running yeah. double duty, like that, that's yeah. really cool to see. So that was fun that it that it happened to Vol the Soul and like probably added to the vibe of the after party, which yeah seemed and, like it was the uh, classic mountain bike in the pits after party. Well, no, we also had uh, we had Warner and Claudio's band, Rob Warner singing like. Uh, Did he actually sing? Was, was that because I know he's getting oh, bullied yeah. from Claudio, and Claudio loves it. No, no, Warner, Warner. I mean, this is like a massive, uh, sad uh, time in our sport with um, saying goodbye to Red Bull TV in its current form um, for now, and and uh, so it wasn't just your classic mountain bikers party. Um, they had another party on Sunday after the cross country where, when the band played and Rob was on the stage singing and, and he's equally loved by the cross country crowd and as by us gravity um, fans. So yeah, as he should be. Cool oh, that, that's emotional. Yeah, yeah, it's cool that they did that, but sad, you know, like end of an era as, as people have been saying. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, you're asking other, other like sort of standout things The One of the, you had mentioned about Greg's horrendous crash, man, that, that, that was yeah, like him and Laurie uh, going down like they did. You know that that's just just people pushing it. They're just laying their lives on the on the line. And and Eddie said like about Will Chavis, like like those three Frenchies would take a bullet for the country, and he wasn't keen to take a bullet for New Zealand because it's like literally you're laying your life at risk. Um, but but when Greg crashed, uh, we were at the flyaway, the big ski jump fadeaway because it was finals day practice, and I saw him like kind of rolling slowly on his bike and he he like kind of pulled up next to that little it's only like a one foot step but you can fly like 50 feet you know um and he kind of went around and just rolled down the bank next to those like meters boards and he was like grimacing and in pain first i thought he had a flat tire or, or something and i was like whoa he looks like like crazy in pain and he just like rolled past you and you could sense something was severely wrong and then we hear that he bloody got picked up and he was in hospital and he broken vertebra and um and i said greg what the hell like why or how did you ride your bike down after your crash and he said he said mongo you he says you know i've got a fear of helicopters and i knew if i stayed on the hill 
the only way for to get me off the mountain was they would call a bloody helicopter and he didn't want to get a helicopter because he was scared of helicopters, right? Yeah, but didn't he go but in that, one anyway? Yeah, and the funny thing is, is he's in the pits and then he started like, you know, complaining about weird sensations and nerve and like chest issues. And then they were like, okay. So in, in, in the end, there was such an urgent case that they got a helicopter anyway to pick him up. But he was just like, well, at least the helicopter didn't have to pick me up in one of those stupid like long line. Oh, uh, yeah. And then uh, they hoist stick. you out. Yeah, hoist you out over the pine yeah. trees. No. So there's Greg lying like crumpled in a rocks in a pile. And the first thing he thinks is, if I stay here, a helicopter is going to have to pull me off the mountain. And he has a fear of flying. So he's like, I'm just with a broken back or neck, whatever. I'm just going to ride down the track just so I can avoid a helicopter ride, which he ended up getting anyway. But man, it's, um, it's he, not, um, not a... When we're in Brazil, the Brazil um, gondola was quite high in a place. And he was threatening to get a lift to the top. He was scared shitless of it. He is so really? scared of heights. I mean, he's literally, it's just the irony of it is just so hilarious. But he's literally but it, scared of heights. He doesn't sit well with it. And But then he jumps, he, he, he um, flips or dives the, the top, the big, big waterfall, not the low ledge one, but he jumps the full like 15 meter one at Monsonan. So that's uh, for a man, if you're afraid of heights, that's uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder how, yeah, jeez. I mean, he's so mentally strong. I wonder if this starts making him think about long, like how long he still races. I mean, it, it obviously does when, you, when you're getting older, but on the flip side, he's got such a long off season and Greg is such good work ethic. And even if he wasn't, even if he wasn't racing next year, he's just the kind of guy that looks, that wants to look after his body. And, you know, it's just going to be a, a quieter, maybe less partying off season and then you'll have more than enough time to rebuild the strength and if it's stable fractures you kind of you know you kind of lucked out and, and you got lucky really yeah no i mean it's a, yeah here's a huge off season so yeah he says, I mean, I said, other... well, it's to, so much for your golf in the off season he said but you don't use your neck for golf right i said well yeah i guess maybe we're doing it wrong if we use our neck so go for it so maybe he'll be yeah. out. Yeah, he'll probably be maybe yeah with a proper long recovery. He doesn't have to rush, and he just gets back into riding when he needs to. It probably mentally will be a lot different to having to come back quick and and then not gaining sort of confidence yeah. and being comfortable. You know, when you rush back from a big injury, it's tough to gain that confidence and momentum. So he's got a lot of time to do that and just take his time. You know. Yeah, and and. Bones can heal quicker than shoulders, ligaments, knees. So, you know, um, potentially he'd be, you know, as strong as can be. But then then what does he have? You know, he's, he's got Laurie uh, and now he's going to have um, Jackson in, 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 in the elites with him, you know. So, like, if he's Greg's having his last year, if he doesn't retire, which, uh, you know, we, we're expecting to see him on the racetrack next year, you know, it's going to be quite the uh, the battle in the syndicate pits. Yeah, but I mean, that's shit that fuels him. Like, that's exactly what will fuel him. So Jackson coming up will probably re-energize Craig and be like, listen, little nipper snapper. This ain't happening on my watch. I've seen it with him in syndicate all the time. Like, yeah, it's not a, it's yeah. not an outward thing, but for sure, internally, he gets a bit of kick out. Lopes was the same. We're like, got yeah. you, Lopes. And then every time he'd get us, he'd be like, so I got you, little youngsters. It's, of course, you need these yeah. little small goals, you know. That might be one of it. But um, we cannot, uh, I, you know, we cannot move on because look at the Americans on the podium. That hasn't been for a while. Third and fourth 
huge no, run from been, Dakota. I was, I was trying to think when was the last time we had a double American and would have no, had to be Luke and Aaron. Did Luke and Aaron get on the podium together? I would. I mean, that's um, a that's a good one. We'd have to ask um, Stat Guy Whiteley. I'll have to text him because he's got all those stats. I was listening. He's got all those things. I didn't know the story. So the UCI like stored some of these old results, like paper results, and then they didn't renew the storage lease, and like they got lost. They but got, they forced him to back them up or something. So he didn't really want them. But he ended up having to back them up for the role he had at UCI, and then the stored paper ones are gone. Like they don't exist anyway. Yeah. I don't think we have to go back to like '93 or whatever. But uh, no, it, it's a long, era, long time ago that two Americans are still on the podium. So huge. I mean, Dakota's had the speed this year. It's awesome to see. Yeah. No, he's a. Uh... And it's just uh, you know just harks back to to confidence for both of them and and you know now that he he's knows he can do it I mean obviously he's always known he can do it it's not his so it's not his first podium but um you know it's just things are clicking there and they got Seth Sherlock and he's winning races in the junior EWS so like you know like a year ago we were wondering what the hell's happening with the intense team you know. Um, and now, like now, it's just smooth sailing, and they're going to have a good, motivating off season. Um, and it's just like, just when we think it's it's already tough enough at the top with French domination, you know, we've got other people, and we're going to have new juniors, and you know, like who would have thought that we'd see not once but twice this year the juniors having the fastest time of the day, you know? Um, and Jordan Williams by a significant margin. Um, little bit weather track conditions but four seconds that's not weather track that that's not all accounted for how on earth are these kids getting down there with these speeds i don't care about track conditions and different time of yeah. day and less pressure because you're in juniors like how is that physically possible at 335 uh, i mean i mean it's, it's how like, does he hang on i guess ignorance well, is bliss at this stage i mean i'm well you see away. like and until these kids have their their big injury, that you know, <laughs> yeah, I was like, say. Make, like you know, Deprel is a little bit more on the brakes and riding a little bit with his head and not with his balls anymore. Um, it's like and, that. Uh, it's like that first time you're at the bar and you're cocky until you get knocked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 then it's like these. You know, you see the gnarliest skateboarders, and now you have like thirteen year old skateboarders stealing Olympic medals away from them because they're even gnarlier. You know, so it's like, wow. Um, yeah, there's yeah. no scar tissue yet, that's for sure. Scar tissue comes with age and, you know, experience is a good thing, but scar tissue, crashes, yeah. bad results after qualifying well, you know, there's not a lot of memory there. Um, like yeah. you said, I mean, you're it, just riding on instinct at this stage. I mean, it is, it, is, it is easier to be a junior and knowing that if you have a good run, you can win a race. So you kind of are more relaxed. You're at the top. You're not seeing the five of the gnarliest dudes around you dropping in. Um, so mentally it is a bit easier, but I have a feeling like Jordan and, and, uh, and Jackson are not going to have an issue when they're the last man at the top with a couple of gnarly dogs around them. They, they just going to put their head down and, and, you know, and there's even, well, there's even team rumors that there's pretty big team with two pretty good riders already on the team that are like talking to Jordan Williams. And I was like, why would they need to, but look like fastest time of the day. Why not? Oh, and they have like a big three three rider team. Yeah, but you'd like get another junior, or you don't need three top 
five. Is it a, is it a factory team or is it a technically a third party team with huge factory support? Uh, we'll let the people. Uh, we'll. Um, we'll, well it's not going to narrow it down that much. There's a lot of factory, and then there's a lot of third party that's factory backed. And by that, I mean, it, I don't know if everyone understands, but like Trek is a direct factory team now. In the past, they've outsourced that to someone that technically owns a team and gets sponsored by Trek. Anyway, I'm not saying it's Trek. Yeah, Sven's yeah. about to um, blow the blow the no, rumor no, no, wide no. open. Yeah. No, I'm not blowing anything. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. We do we. Um, what do, what do we want to do? We want to specifically talk about this this race because um, you know the women's points battle was like super exciting, and as the day unfolded, oh, it looked it was so like, exciting! And how the hell like, Cammy rode? Even I mean, Worlds was even more impressive. Two weeks and five days and, and, was the Worlds race, so then this one was three weeks and five days. Yeah, and then like everything was kind of falling into place for her but then i think when jess when jess or nina when one of the other girls jess or nina also went ahead of cammy that opened up for the door for valley to actually yeah she went into fourth yeah yeah it was when nina, yeah nina and if came valley, down. yeah and then if valley had won and then cammy would have stayed fifth like she ended up being fifth but uh that would have been enough for Valley to steal the season like she did last year in um, in the West Virginia. So massive drama. Um, Valley almost admitted after the race that she knew just as much as she would have wanted to win the overall. Like she literally didn't have it in her because of she the track. She like couldn't go any harder. Like that was her run. She she didn't like hold back, but she knew if she went any harder, that would have been the run would have been done. Oh, so um, she was reasonably satisfied with the pace she was riding at and what she delivered on the day. I, maybe maybe also he, after the energy spent on winning worlds and stuff as well. That's that's what it is. And it showed with Loic like he was drained and Oh, and, he was you know, definitely yeah. drained. He wanted out of there. You could hear yeah. it in the interviews, which is no surprise. Like you just want to get on yeah. a plane and go onto a, a beach and sip cocktails after you win worlds like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's way more draining than we can, than we can imagine because we're just the general mountain bike media, but then you have all the the non endemic media that are just you know the TV and the radio and the newspaper and your local media and all just random people coming out of the woodwork, um, and they you know they they were busy with that the whole time. But you know, I, I thought we'd like see Valley like angry that she let opportunity slip by, but not uh, completely opposite. She was super happy with her run and happy with her position, and and there's also kind of a sign of maturity from her, you know, like a year ago we would have seen her banging the bars or like having a crash or something. And she's definitely a much more mature, savvy rider this year around. Yeah. And I mean, you go out knowing you have to win. So she qualifies fastest. Awesome. But Miriam's run, like when you look at the time, she must be like, okay, I mean, that was the run I put down. I didn't really throw it away. I just didn't have it on that day. I got beat, you know? And that's a yeah. that's a better place to go into the off season as well as like you say, she can be mature yeah. about that. I and I, I I wasn't the best ride on the day, and even if you, on paper, are, you don't win every race. You know, I think, I think every single, every single top, um, female rider, perhaps except for maybe Monica and Eleonora, which may have won it a bit better on this on this final race, but Miriam won the race. She didn't win a world, so she ends on a good note. 
Um, Cammy protected the overall. She ends on a good note. Valley won the world champs. She ends on a good note. Jess Blewett had more podiums than she hoped for. Nina Hoffman had the dream season she hoped for. So it's like, dude, you just five, summed up the podcast in thirty seconds. Chill. Yeah. Why? Did, why are we? Why are we? <laughs> you know well, I mean? We don't need to blab for forty-seven minutes up until now. Uh, you no, actually, like you actually edit. nailed the ladies' field so well there, and, and you're right on those. And Eleonora deserved more. She had a great season. Riding like so yeah. well and attacking, and it's, it's Fabian Burrell said it. Uh, it's Cedric Gracia. These are like greats of our sport. Of like, I have really battled to do well on home soil all the time. You know, I know Fabian won the title, but he's also said I've qualified first so many times and not backed it up. It's a very difficult yeah. thing to to perform. You know, when you really want to, and and it's your home race. Yeah, and then there are like the other main takeaway, which is. Which looks, which Valdesol is completely different to any other World Cup this year. Every single category, um, you know, Miriam Nicole was like four second margin, Loris Vergier, three second margin, Gracie Hemstra, like four second margin, Jordan Williams, 10 second margin. So, like, it just goes to show, like, the track, um, it's the, the a track like this is just going to create differences, you know. So, maybe. Of all the people that are complaining, do you want to ask Loris, Jordan, Miriam, and Gracie like how they think the track? They'll probably say, "Oh, this track's is sweet. Let's keep it next year." You know? Although, no, no, of course. But, uh, and and uh, anyone complaining too much is taking themselves out of the race anyway. But yeah, no, factually, it's think, easy for me to watch and be like, "That track is beat." But you're right. If you're not yeah. complaining and you get the flow right, you're gonna just make up some insane time. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean the track doesn't need to change because I, I think we're all in agreement that it's a bit much you know um yeah so it's, it's and it's not too difficult too technical it's just too wetted and played that's that's it what it comes down to i still can't believe his time i actually i mean i made some notes but i was like oh i've just got the results in front of me i'll use them <laughs> i'm like oh my goodness that is incredibly quick yeah um yeah like uh Sheesh, what else? Oh, you know what was what was very odd, which is kind of weird. Um, you remember when you were racing, those lovely glass or crystal UCI trophies? Oh, yeah, yeah. What's going on with the new trophies? It's kind of something you'd want to like actually display. Like some people like to put their jerseys all over the house but or maybe like in the office. But like the, the crystal overall trophy is maybe something you'd even put in the living room, you know, because it's kind of nice. It's... And it's, it had as a history because it seemed to be a quite a long time thing that we've been handing them out. Well, okay, what's going on now? Yeah, are those, and, are those and, wood and now? I couldn't tell if they were wood or or, or recycled plastic. Actually, I have one. I have one in in my bag. Actually, why? I'm because the rider didn't even feel like taking it home. Can you know what's ironic? <laughs> no, no, can, no, they didn't. Okay, so Valdesol organizes. I actually have a bone to pick with you. And yeah. my better half at home even teases me. She's like, what is this little otter soft toy doing in your office? I said, that's my first, well, that wasn't... That was my first podium prize. Valdesol <laughs> gave me like flowers and a fluffy otter toy. Yeah, but some people don't even some, – some events don't even get anything. They just get like a, some champagne and, a, Dude, and, a, and some you prize, work, prize money. Come on. You work no, how no, hard but... to get a goddamn podium and they dish that out. No, you get you get your um, some. I mean, most World Cups you get nothing. You get your your check and you get your champagne. Oh well, there's not and, much in that check either, by the way. So you really just get nothing. 
<laughs> no, no, no. Um, but no, back to these trophies. Um, Anka's going to bring one down because I got this from a rider that I just saw this trophy like lying in there, like people were packing up the pits and this, like I saw the box and I was like, oh, this box must be empty. So I look in the box and no, the trophy's still there. And I'm like, hey, your trophy's hanging out here in the corner. Do you want it? And this rider, I won't say if it was male or female, they're like, nah, I just, I just keep the first place one. So obviously, jeez, yeah, okay, gets, well, there's only a few riders. There's only a few riders that are able to be that <laughs> confident and cocky. I yeah, only keep the first Rachel, place ones. It's not, and it's not Rachel Atherton because that's maybe something like she gets so many firsts. Like, can you imagine if she hung on to all the seconds, thirds, fourths, and fifths? Okay, well, it's um, not Cole because he would be appreciative <laughs> second. Is it the podium or the overall? It's the overall, the, no, the overall, no, the, the, the podium trophy is kind of cool. It's Fuck, it's Gwyn. Kind of, Gwyn's, it's definitely good. No, Gwyn didn't, didn't, Gwyn wasn't in the overall. Oh, so the overall. overall trophy. Oh, sorry, yeah. I'm looking, I thought it was the race trophies. So, no, no, so that's what I'm talking about, the overall trophy that used to be the lovely UCI. Uh, it's Miriam. Crystal thing. Definitely Miriam. No, no, I'm not going to deny or confirm, but it was quite, <laughs> what I'm, what I'm, what I'm getting at, <laughs> if the, if the trophy for the overall for laying your life on risk for eight races or seven races, if it was kind of so cheap and garish that you don't want to keep it, what is that saying? It's like make a better trophy for God's sake. That is a bummer. Come on, because you know what was awesome is there was this history, my you know, of the, the side of my camera bag. The um, okay. all those movies we used to watch and stuff. Um, what was the super? And then they had this awesome music, Tro- and then. Transcontinental. Transcontinental, and then the ending yeah. is like the overall, and it's such a powerful part of that movie. For some of the youngsters, probably haven't even seen it, but you know that's how we consume media: is waited for a whole, well, taking the season, and then probably another six months to watch this movie. Um, and and everyone would have these crystal awesome trophies. Um, and UCI yeah. obviously did them for many years. So yeah, I don't know what yeah. happened there. Uh, that's a that's a bit of a bummer. Because, yeah, that so was such a, a proud moment if you're working for a podium thinking you're going to get one of those awesome crystals. Like, Bernard will be like, oh, flip. I thought I was going to get this crystal one. Or glass. No, I, I don't know. Was, I think we're calling it crystal, but it's actually glass, right? Yeah. Well, Bernard, if it was on value, Bernard would have taken it to the recycle center anyway. <laughs> so uh... You did a – not you. Uh, some Instagram did a, did a poll. A Who poll. would stop on the side of the road to pick up scrap metal to help with their team budget? Which team would do that? Yeah, yeah but you had some it, quite plush teams in there, so yeah. No, it's not, it's not a matter of team budget. It's a matter of where you come from. It's like, would you leave? Would you yep. like, or like if you drop, if you drop, if you drop like five cents, would you bend over and pick it up, or only if you drop like maybe a quarter, maybe then would you bend over and pick it up? Like, yeah, it's like your, it's yeah, you know, where you come from in South Africa. Obviously, you, you, know, you want to appreciate your helps. Yeah, you help the help the country, so you pick it up and you donate it, maybe. Um, but uh, it was that story is quite a quite a good one. It was like you know driving past on your way to a big World Cup race. I was like, oh, hang on, there's a bunch of lead lying next to that skippy bin. I'm going to pick it up and detour to Glasgow and get some recycling. But money did this actually happen, much. or you're just making up a story? <laughs> no, it, of course it happened. It, it happened. happened. Yes. Oh, I thought you were just taking the piss. No, this is fact. I don't. I'm. I deal in facts, dude. Facts. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And rumors, but maybe you're like the early adopter of. You're like a conspiracy theorist of the mountain bike circuit that because it, it actually comes true, but you might just be too early, and people are like that's crazy. No way that rider's yeah. joining that team. And you're like, okay. And it's then six months later, you're like, I told you. 
self-fulfilling prophecies. Oh, that's too good. Um, I can't believe yeah, the race I, season's ended. Shit. I'm, you know I'm a bit nostalgic know. here. Shit. I don't know if it's too early. I, I heard um, I heard there used to be like a Twitter, a Twitter uh, Team Rumors account, right? And I heard that a certain rider wanted to get paid more by his team, but he didn't have any counter offers. So I heard that certain rider went to the owners of that Twitter account and said, listen, we need to drum up some demand for me because I need to get paid more for my current team. So can you do a couple? He requested a couple of cartoons, making it look like more people were interested in. And um, in the end, that Twitter account got two riders combined more than 100,000 euro more for the year. Right. Does that account still exist? And it, can we get on top of this? And did that rider pay uh, a sort of commission kick, for the help, a kickback? Because he just, should. These are all things I. These are all things I, I heard. Oh, you so heard? Oh, yeah. Been hearing things. <laughs> Maybe I even know. Who, we'll, I actually think I know who that is. It's brilliant. I think, I think or, it's brilliant. In two, in two or three years' times, we can release the riders' names when the innocent can no longer be harmed. When when the innocent's retired, is that what you mean? Is the retirement coming in about a year or two? Yeah, and I'm, maybe when I didn't work for one of the companies that ended up paying a lot more money for a rider when even they didn't need to. Yeah, this podcast is great because it's got support, and I've got support in the industry, and I'm very grateful. But it might go up a notch in uh, many years when Sven and I are bullshitting on a porch in South Africa or Italy uh, with no uh, no zero, sponsors zero anymore. Ties, zero ties to the industry. Yeah, no, we we need we we definitely sound like we bitch a lot. But I think we just want the industry to push forward in a good way. No, any any complaint or gripe is purely Feedback. for the. No, it's purely to push the sport to better and higher esteems and standards and goals, and that's that's all I want. Things better, sport and better things for riders. Yeah. Shucks, and uh, Benoit Coulange actually had a bloody good season. Um, just messed up in Leo Gang and some other ones, and he finished sixth. So he's the first rider off the overall. Yeah. How's Charlie Hatton in seven? So, like I said, there were some riders. Okay, Loix in eighth. How is Remy Tiron? Oh, no, I'm looking at the results. Sorry, ignore me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd scroll down to the wrong thing. Hang on. But I think I have a point on that men. Where is Benoit? Okay, seventh. So yeah. he almost deserved more there. He had a great season. And Laurie, without a result at the last race, and he was in six. A shame. He was the bridesmaid on the overall after catapulting himself into a tree. Yeah. It looked like a, a WWE a, move. With a broken foot, and then he ends up with a broken hand and finger on top of that. Um, oh, has he broken it. those in the crashes? Shit, I didn't see that yeah. side of it. Yeah, yeah. And then and then Bernard leapfrogging him. So, yeah, tough tough one for – yeah, tough one. No, that's horrible. Danny sneaks still into the to ninth with a missed race and, and a lot on his on his plate. So, tough year for him. He'll, he'll enjoy the off-season. I think uh, he's been doing it for quite a while um, and probably will go back to drawing board and just check on a few things on what he can improve for next year. But I, I think he's very drained. Um, been chatting to him a yeah. bit. Um, so, we'll and then, you know, 
yeah. And then going back to going back to Manar, uh, I was quite, um, I say surprised, but I shouldn't say surprised. I was almost like, yeah, he'll definitely be back. The first thing Greg mentioned in his like announcing that he had to sustain this injury, he's like, but happy to finish the season in the top ten, which means I remain protected all year. So this is if if the current ruling stays the same, where the top ten have protection the whole following year. They don't have to worry about where they line the series if, if that rule carries over next year. So that, to me, the first thing that Greg is already thinking about when he's just literally getting MRIs and CT scans, all he's thinking about is like, all right, sweet, I'm protected for the whole season, which means I can crack on and just go for qualies and go hard for qualies and finals. So, um, yeah, I think he's there next year for sure with like a proper go at it. Also, Worlds didn't sit well with him. Um, I don't think he gave... The run he wanted and and certain things he mentioned to me that stood in his way as well. But, you know, it was going to be tough to maybe retain the jersey, of course, but he seemed up for the fight. So I think with the season ending the way, maybe it's actually motivation that he just didn't end it the way he hoped he could. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah well, there's. I'm just trying to think. Uh, what What else... Um, you know, just more, uh, no, I think we were pretty much, dude, we um, nailed it. You did the ladies in 35 seconds. So we've done well to get to an hour here. Uh, and yeah. they, and they, oh, we haven't, no, we didn't really, that's an no, heroic effort by Cami though. Let's, let's yeah. just, um, let's just pay some serious credit for the season she was having and then, and five. then to come back. She did five runs, including her race run, was five runs for the whole weekend. At um, Valdezol? Yeah. For a track, it's all literally like that her body could handle. You know, her riding in Leger, she was more fresh from her surgery and theoretically you would think would have struggled more with the injury and the, and the lack of, you know, healing of the injury. But this track, another whole week later, was way worse than anything that, that – that she felt at Leger. So she literally just had to minimize bike time. But she said like, oh, my legs are fit. And I just saw her on the side of the track, um, like studiously studying lines. Um, that's a bit redundant. But uh, she's just like, she just does. Studiously everything. studying. That's something <laughs> studiously I would studying. do. That was something I would mess up grammar like that. That's great. So it's just um, she's literally a scholar of Daniel, and we keep saying she's like the most professional pro, but she doesn't leave any stone unturned and and doing what she needs to do. And she, you know, like well, you you would be stuck on the side of the track trying to find a smooth line to like protect your shoulder. There's literally not one smooth patch of freaking dirt on that old track. I think the start gate's the smoothest. Maybe down to the first yeah. ro little uh, road cap, but yeah. I I, I did ask the, her in Wolves. I said it's a stupid question, but I'm doing the broadcast. How how are you feeling to start the conversation? She just gave me this look. She's almost like, "How do you think I'm feeling?" I said, "But is it a is it getting better by the day, even in small amounts?" And she's like, "I'm in so much pain, and and maybe the adrenaline wore off of getting through Wolves and and having to get through this race." Um, with that mm. 18 screws. So the pain's maybe getting better before it's going to get worse now because she hasn't given it the recovery it needs. So it's sort of almost it, going backwards. Is it that many screws? Uh, I'd far, I think she said there's 18 screws and 
So it's so it's it's not a minor break if you're needing eighteen no, no, screws to put two plates in. I don't yeah. know. I mean, no, don't quote me on it. But it sounded like eighteen screws and two plates. But you know, whatever. Maybe I'm hyperbolizing. But anyway, it's a horrific thing. She had to have an operation. Although Petey, yeah. Petey back in the day, geez, he would come back pretty quick from uh, collarbones as well. Eh? He did one or two seriously quick. Yeah, no, collarbones, you, you just get in the way of mountain biking, to be honest. <laughs> get in the way. I think then Marla's strep not have them taken out because she got sick of breaking them. <laughs> well, um, how do you take them out? I, yeah, I'm I, like I feeling my collarbone. I'm like, well, what are you going to put in between there? I just you don't can't think you take need them. them out. I don't think you need them. Um, I don't think you right. need them. No, we may be talking shit here. Um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. Next, next year, you know, we got finally, finally. Uh, it's good to see a couple of those first year juniors starting to sort of uh, show themselves. You know, we've been dominated by the the the, the other juniors. So now we've got Ryan Pinkerton and Tegan Cruz coming to the forefront. So it's it's pretty cool that we see that there is still talent and depth in the juniors and, and uh, you know, um, Ryan Pinkerton getting second at this race shows that he's going to be one of the guys battling for the top spot with Tegan Cruz and Bodie Coon and a couple of others next year. Oh, that's awesome. I see I got 10th, so that's pretty cool. Maybe that'll give him motivation, but I think he's last year junior. From South yeah, Africa, he, technically Netherlands now because they wouldn't put him on the team. Which we didn't get into with Win. That's the one thing we didn't get into about Worlds is the horrific Federation's selection policy. I like got Win on the podcast and it was great. Yeah, that's... He had great insight. And then I forgot to just ping him about the, the fact that he was able to be on the side of the track was because he got left off the team. And there were literally, I think the Anyway, I don't know the full details of the New Zealand team, but for full context, some of these federations have historically terrible selection, selection policies and they sort of block themselves lock themselves into what's on paper without, say, a coach's pick or an injury clause. Um, and then they're yeah. forced to pick these teams. Sometimes it's just because someone rode enough races in the country at home and that is one way to qualify. And then someone that's campaigning overseas and doing pretty decently and easily is fast enough to go, not an embarrassment to the federation, doesn't get picked. Even though half these federations are not paying for anything, you have to buy your yeah. own jersey at points, and they don't get selected. And, and, and like they're hurting these kids' careers. Like they could have a breakout result at Worlds and, and get on a team. And the, and, the, and the problem is the federations can and sometimes do so good with development but then there's just some people that seem to be on the federation because it's almost like a political position and that's why they want, want to be on there. And it's not just single countries, even countries where they're successful athletes and you assume because they're successful athletes they have successful federations. But, you know, we, we've seen complaints from the Australian, from uh, New Zealand, South Africa, Canadian. There's all the same gripes. I mean, listen to this story. When Anka was racing world champs, the South African selection criteria was the South African woman had to be within a percentage time of the fastest South African rider. So at that time when I was riding, the fastest South African rider was also the fastest rider in the world, which was Greg Minot. Now, I remember at that, based on that current selection criteria, 
if Tracy Mosley and Caroline Chasson and uh, Sabrina Yonier, all three of those world champions, would not have qualified to be on the South African Downhill Worlds team. Like, so this is just illustrates what you were taking about no, these, preaching, these inane preaching to the choir. selection criteria. I got and, left and off. It... I got left off the the one year, and I was second highest World Cup. So I was racing the World Cup series, focusing on yeah. that. And because they picked the team so early, they like picked it off the three World Cups, and you had to do some South African races, which Greg didn't do either. Um, I got left off, and there was no fighting and kicking and screaming because it was like lotto funded and. Obviously, people were worried that certain parents would sue them because their son was ahead of me in the South African ranks and blah, blah, blah. But the moral of the story is other sports go through the same thing. You have automatic picks and then they have captain's picks. And what that leaves you able to do is say there's a year that Greg Menard is injured, but he's coming back at the end of the year. But you have a selection criteria that means you had to do two nationals at home and a top 30 at World Cup or whatever this thing is, and he's not yeah. able to fulfill that, but he's healthy and he's good on that track, you want to be able to say, cool, he's one of our captain's picks. And and yeah. have the, I'm not sure what the right word is, but you have to be allowed to do that without getting in trouble. So you have to build it into the selection policy, like an asterisk. And yeah. Australia used to do that. A coach's pick. They don't anymore, yeah. yeah. They, didn't even, they didn't even let Sam Hill race, like a downhill race. Uh just recently, they didn't want to sign him up for. Sam wanted to do a downhill race in Australia, and they said, "Oh, they said sorry, our national champs is full. You can't come home and race national champs because you didn't enter in time." It's like, like how dumb and stupid are people? Um, and also, select riders based on current form, and don't select your World Cup, your World Champs team when there's still three World Cups to go before the World Champs. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, there's a lot that can be improved. And I know some team managers are having meetings with his federations because some federations support a lot. And you're like, Swiss does a hell of a lot. French at Downhills is good. So you want to work with them and say, look, if you don't have budget, that's fine. Like, we're going to be at the race anyway. We pay for a ride of the whole year. So yeah. it's a super big disconnect. And I think it can just be improved, you know. And, and certain people at home were helping try get it improved for South Africa. And maybe this is a lesson to New Zealand to say, look, Let's not all have egos about this. Let's, let's try and make it better because you're hurting people's livelihoods here sometimes just because you're looking at a spreadsheet. And, and spreadsheets yeah. don't tell the story. No. Um, yeah. And uh, since we're being um, uh, reflective, um, what is your... Famous, your favorite Rob Warnerism from the last, say, since two, uh, even since Freecaster days. What, 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 like, stands out? You're, you're a commentator as well. So, what have you learned, or what stands out from of, of Rob or Elliot or Stickman or Claudio? Like, what, what sticks out in your head? Oh, okay, of the broadcast. Well, look, to be yeah. very fair, the look at the time thing, and I think he gave it credit, is a Peter Graves. That was saying. Peter Graves. So Peter yeah. Graves was Peter a Graves. famous on-site announcer that did Mount St. Anne and, and others. And Rob, I think, did mention that, but Rob has owned it, and I think he spoke to Peter Graves. So the look at the time thing, I understand the fans love, but I think when he was allowed to really be himself, because he's obviously very witty, um, and he used to do quite a lot of writing back in the day for magazines before commentary. Um, so when he was allowed to sort of be himself on Freecaster, which was very loose, and Red Bull almost 
reined him in a bit, <laughs> made it more professional and got the sport to where we are. But I think it's yeah. lovely when you can you be yourself, you know, and, and, and you have to be very natural. So I understand how hard a job it is. And for Rob, doing cross-country, short track and downhill, that's a hell of a lot of work. But probably, what was his one? It was something about like went down as quick or as hard as like an old lady on a cruise ship liner. And you can just imagine like an old lady slipping on the deck of an old cruise liner. He's got, he's, he's definitely had a lot of gems that I'm butchering. And, uh, he's got, I think he's got a lot. He must have like a page went down hard, like a, or went down as quick as a. You you obviously prepare these things. Like I had one for Troy because I was like, okay, he's Aussie. Um, and I know Sam Hill taught me, you go off like a frog in a sock. And to me, that's a funny saying. And what does that, what does that even mean? Well, think about this. So take a sock and put a frog in it. What do you think the frog's going to do to try to get out of there? It's going to go absolutely, it's going to go off. Like it's going to go crazy. So, um, but Warner, I, I just think, uh, he found like a really good niche there. And, and he said, he sort of took to it more than he did with his racing, you know, and he, um, so no, he's going to be missed. It, it's definitely a bummer, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, but also he just so much. He just brought so much energy uh, and passion to the broadcast, which is I think is why we're doing this podcast because of the passion for the sport. And um, you know, he I think he re reignited his love affair with Daniel through commentary because he was like over racing when he when he quit and retired he was done no know? he was he um, was done like years before that and and uh, yeah. yeah i think he just sort of it's all it's crazy how you find what you really want to do like he, you know he's hosting and, and presenting and he'll do other things i guess he's got a contract with red bull that he's spoken about so we're not really dropping any knowledge without without his permission um, yeah. so it is an interesting time but i guess with everything in life like nothing's forever and i and i you know, maybe this in hindsight's gonna he's gonna look back and be thankful. Something else might come from it, and you know, mountain biking's gonna miss him. But at the same time, like nothing's forever, is it? Um, yeah, and it doesn't mean he wouldn't be a perfect guy for the job. But what what are you gonna do at the end of the day? You know, something's changed, and this whole Discovery Warner thing. Um, we don't know what the next eight years can look like. And will look like yeah. you just don't know, right? And a lot of people are fueling a lot of rumors, which is just—it's not a—it's just a dangerous place for the industry. Um, yeah. I think no, the industry is going to be a transitional period. And and when Freecaster got taken over by Red Bull, everyone didn't—they were like, "Oh, we want to keep Freecaster." Now it's like, "Well, we want to yeah. keep Red Bull." It's like, "Well, do we? Do, are we just there to bitch? Like, what do we? What do we want to see? You know, things do grow and and sort of." We have to be open to yeah. change at some point. Yeah, well, there's there's definitely more of the sport of downhill um, that that can be shown than what the Red Bull live feed. That's true. Just showed, that's you know? very true. So that's why we're sitting here doing this podcast. And there's junior racing. There's there's qualifying. There's the stories, and there's so much. Uh, and there's a lot of technical things for, that go into results and stuff like that. That they yeah. So, so there's shown. um. You know, but um, we, we we hope our best for the future. And regardless, I'm on the track uh, giving you the news if, if there is none. <laughs> if there is none, definitely. I mean, if there's – yeah. No, there will always be news when, when you're at the race. So you, you signed up for another year, clearly. So Sven will be our, our man on the ground. 
Uh, we have to thank Alan Milway. He stepped in a lot as well. I'll probably get him on for like maybe a bigger reflection or maybe there's some team rumors or we get Sven on as well. When Masters did an episode, Cedric Grasso, that was cool. We'll get Cedric on again, you know, because he's doing commentary in, in French. I don't know what that means for next year. You know what? You know what? You, you, um, Eddie we, Masters. We, we were... We were at a, a party after, um, like Monday night after or Sunday night after Leger, and there were these like fifteen-year-old mountain bikers. It was now their parents were at the party, and the, and these kids are like on the dirt jumps that were at the house, and they still like riding at night like kids do, still in the knee pads. <clears throat> we brought up Sam Hill, and then I just saw these kids like blank, didn't react to it. So you, because you brought up Cedric Garcia, that we all know and love, and 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 a lot of your listeners. And these are like 15-year-old kids. Literally, they didn't know Sam, Sam Hill is. Literally, oh, the one said, "God, I've heard that name. And then the other kid says, yeah, my dad used to race him. Um, because one, one, of the kids, one of the guys at the party was Steve Pete. Um, and that was his son. Oh, it was, was like, oh, Steve Pete's youngster <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah. But like, so um, it's crazy uh, how quick, uh, you know, yeah you know um the sport moves on and and it just uh even the cedric gracias and and god forbid uh even sam hills is, is becoming like older news as the sport moves on no absolutely and and through the content you sort of consume you know sam hill was during those days we spoke about movies and things like that and feature length films which doesn't happen and been yeah. talking about it today but, like there's it's TikTok, and but, me and you will sound old. We're like, I don't know if we're going to deal with TikTok. And other kids are like, well, we ain't going on Instagram. And so, I mean, yeah. the times do change. They move move along. You can't control these yeah. things, you know. But speaking of Sam Hill, that kid will know who Sam Hill is because I have heard that we might see him in DH next year. Bullshit. It's, it's, um, is, he board of, is he board of Enduro now? I, I don't know. I don't know. That would be incredible. He's dropping it here first. One one thing I do know is when he does decide to do something, he buckles down and doubles down and, and puts his money where his mouth is. So he wouldn't come to Daniel and just coast along. If he's coming, he'd, he'd want to come full on. And so, how's he going to yeah. fare if he comes back to Daniel with his Frenchies? And, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's missed, he's missed well, quite a bit. And I, he's one of the yeah, greatest I mean, bike riders of all time. The tracks have changed. But they've the changed. Style of riding has changed. The bikes have changed. And, well, that's the thing. Like Sam was maybe so good because he was so good, like naturally so good that he didn't need good equipment to be good. So maybe now that everyone's on good equipment and the tracks are so fast, maybe it won't be a good comeback. But then again, like once a world champion, always a world champion, and maybe I don't know. And it, you would think, be... and you would think the tracks have moved on, so flat pedals is not like an advantage the way he made it. But then he went and won Enduro World Series. Like, I don't know, did he get two titles, three titles? I mean, he was winning on flat pedals on Enduro. And I was like, we, that is insane. Yeah. So, yeah, think it would be. I mean, we can bench race the shit out of this, but we're going to have to just hope he comes back and gives us the answers. No, I think if he puts his mind to it, he he, yeah. he could definitely do it. That's interesting. Yeah, You can't tell yeah. me more, though. I mean, I don't know anymore. I just I, I heard, just a that, rumor. That we heard just, it, yeah. Well, it could also be someone just 
fed that to me to see if it would end up on here, and, and now it didn't, and now I'll never get. I think the listeners should just all message Sam and be like, "Do a podcast with Moving the Needle and give us the answers," because he did one with Chipsy Tales, which was awesome. But come on, Sam, yeah. give back to the mountain bike community. All the times that go. I let you smoke me out there, you know, on the races, give back to the community. Yeah. Come, come, speak to the mountain bike core de- demographic. Yeah, um, and other rumors. Clay Porter's wanting to do like a full-length World Cup movie again. He's just got the bug and is super into riding and been to a couple of races at World Champs this year. And he's like, dude, I've got to do another No, I know. We texted back it. and forth. He's like, dude, we got to do it. I said, well, Can I'll present imagine? it. And he's like, let's do it. Uh, I don't, you know, yeah. I don't know the new guys yet. I was like, I'll speak to the new guys if you're coming back. Don't worry about those, yeah. those problems. Like just say you're going to come yeah. back to the sport full time. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, uh, that'll be good to see. Well, Sven, uh, I think we've done enough blabbing. Uh, it's sad times. The race oh, season is. Oh, you know. Oh, well, okay. You know so every time I'm going to try in the show, Sven's going to think of something, which is good. No, because we don't we don't talk about like the juniors and the junior women enough. Um, but uh, on the comeback at the end of the season was Isabella like kind of riding like how she won the rainbow jersey last year mm, yes um, true. and then and then probably the best whip scrub scrub whip off the finish line so not the big samuel sam goldstone ski jump corner but uh literally the final like send her into the finish line um didn't do it in a race run um but her last practice on gracie hem street literally the best scrub whip i saw out of the whole field Unbelievable, and then uh, also taking the race win, um, and so the over really... and the overall. Yeah, and and of course that as well. See, I don't get to um, see all that because I'm not at all the races. So it's cool to get your insight on. I can look at the results and piece together a story, but you watching them practice and develop as riders—it's no, so cool. Well, literally, like I want to get a good shot and show every rider in their best way, shape, or form. And then when I saw her. Literally, I was just arriving at the track and they did a super early run. Um, and I saw her throw down that scrub whip into the finish line and I, I didn't get the photo. And I was like, I was like, are you going to do that in the final? And she was like, yeah, for sure. But then she was going so damn fast in the final. like, And I was just like, okay, I'm running all the way to the finish line for her in the final because she's going to do that. Like, it was literally the sickest little um, scrub I've That's seen amazing. out of everyone. I've got one and before then, we leave. Sorry. Henry, yeah, we haven't yeah, spoke yeah. about Henry Kerr. Oh, holy yes, hell! Exactly. So this whole, look at him. this whole like, are we going to thirty riders? Is that a thing? Is it an idea? I don't know. No one That's knows bullshit. what's going on. Probably bullshit. But how can we no, possibly I mean, go to less riders when you've got people that can podium and win from all corners of the ranking system? Like our sport yeah, doesn't I, work like F one where. There's a few cars that are good and a few drivers are really good. And then, you know, like there's only six guys that could physically win the race. We don't have that anymore. Like we used to have only a few that would win. Now that's open and podiums are even more open. People need to stop fucking saying, but in F1, we don't have fucking 20 little cars that have to fit around the track at the same time. We've got nothing to do with F1. Like just drop it. Other than like, but the, we're the F one of mountain biking, the fastest you can oh, yeah, humanly yeah. go. Like that's the comparison. Yeah, the, oh, but yeah, we might no, be. No, 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 yeah. no. But like trying to like com- compare coverage and how you should do. And oh how yeah, no, we're our own sport. Know. Yeah. And, and when I said that, 
um, bullshit about uh, the rumor being top 30. I said, like, no, it's bullshit if they had to break it down to top 30 for this exact reason. The Henry Kerr's out there, like, he's he actually had a really good quality or race at Worlds. I think he had a good result as yeah, well. Yeah, he had so a good race at Worlds. Another rider that's just sort of starting to, like, you know, but like you said, like, if they wasn't there at the beginning of the season, cracking top 30s, and we wouldn't see him all year. Like, and, then, and then he would never get this breakout moment, even though he crashed. He's on the radar, and he can potentially, you know, get a little bit of a bump in salary and do train a little bit harder and, and go to, you know what I mean? Like, it's without giving these opportunities to people, you know, we only need to scroll down the, the results sheet and, and look at a couple of people that have not been in the top 30 this year, and they're sitting pretty high in the results, and you would have just stolen that, that potential away from them, you know? Yeah, no, even, yeah, it's a vicious rumor, I'm literally not even going to give it much more airtime, but you would have to build a system. And it, it, like you said, we're mountain biking, we're downhill. Just look at the depth of field these days and look at the history, and we need to protect that in a certain way. And there might be ways to help with coverage and make sure we're telling a really big story that we can get more mainstream, fine. But it yeah. cannot be a quick decision, and you need to have all sorts of like injury clauses and, and all sorts of things that we know – for ninety nine percent of the time is a good decision, and we're not going to backtrack it. Yeah, and strong feeders, strong feeder series, and all, all of that. You know? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, even even like the Zwa brothers, you know. Oh yeah, and they had put, another good you, race. You would, you would never have put Ollie down as a top ten rider, um, and maybe you know, yeah, he got a couple of um, good results last year. But if there was this like where you saw thirty riders, you know it. It's, he, they wouldn't have the opportunity to rise to the top like they like they're doing and have their hard work pay off. You know, um, what it, like people keep saying we need to reduce the field so we can increase the professionalism. Having nobody sees the thirty riders that are going before the live feed starts anyway. So what is the difference? Those thirty riders can take thirty minutes or fifteen minutes if you put them at thirty second intervals, they don't add any time, any significant time to their overall day. And if you're a spectator and you've been at hardline and you watch and they when they cut the field to just the last um, ten or twenty riders and you're sitting there for three hours and you see twenty people go down in that time, that's probably your worst afternoon you spend watching mountain biking. The fact that you have sixty riders and then you have another thirty women like doing laps on the track in the morning in training of race days and in and quality days that's what gives the show and that's what allows these event organizers to sometimes charge an entry fee or have food stands and sell accommodation. Like you, you limit the field and you limit the show. Like I don't give a shit about the global worldwide audience. You've got to keep the current people happy on the ground at the events too. And um, yeah, so there's my, there's my two cents. Put in your smoke and pipe it. <laughs> <laughs> Put in your pipe and smoke it. I think that's a great yeah. way to end. We have to give a bit of, uh, grief and banter back to, to the industry as well but thanks to Sven thanks to all my uh, co-hosts that came on uh, it's been an awesome season and the sport's going from strength to strength this has been your Crank Brothers Race Review guys this year they celebrated 12 years in a row with that Mallet DH pedal we spoke about Sam Hill he's won a couple Sven's about to wreck my thank you and, and outro you want to jump in now or are you jumping in after what are you doing I was just thinking like I was for sure, like, perhaps Amri was going to break that Crank Brothers dream story of 12 years. Well, he did and then, I, and, then, 
And then I looked at like a couple of his results where he's lost a few seconds. And I looked at some of the replays. I was like, ooh, I saw three instances where he couldn't get clipped in immediately. Like he had to sit down and, and not get clipped in. And I was like, ooh, Crank Brothers, you can go in forwards, down, and backwards. He would have got clipped in in like a millisecond and maybe would have done better. Yeah, and he can yeah. keep his current shoes if he wants. It's fine. Just saying, the stats are out there on how many championships they've got. Um, so anyway, but they have also added to their product offering. Go check the website out, and the shoes were epic. Uh, I'm knocking on the door for a nice Christmas present to get those white and splatter splatter shoes. They did awesome pedals as well. So thanks to them. They've been a huge supporter of this podcast, pushing it out on their channels. Um, Sven does a lot of contributing to them. Alan Mulway as well. Guys, I'm sad. It's another race season in the books. I guess this is two years of doing these race reviews, these bench racing things, Sven. So uh, we'll have to do an off-season catch-up, but I don't know if you've got anything else to say because you often think about something as I'm trying to end this thing. Uh, can't wait to hear the Flow Paye podcast. There you go. Sven dropping it. Sven, uh, this is your reminder. I'm not going to WhatsApp or email you bug you. Can you please send me any assets and pictures you want included in the awesome Flow Payette episode, which will drop. This will drop you know, the day you're hearing this, whenever, and then probably two weeks after that on the Tuesday. So boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, world out there, thank you so much. You know what to do. Like, subscribe, follow, share it with a friend. Probably share it with a friend if you think they haven't uh, been following the race coverage. Till next time, peace. <laughs>